Hi, this is your host, Jeremiah Latimo, and this is Gates of Perception. The totality of the universe is it's just perception. And uh, it's how we perceive things. And uh, there are no facts, only interpretations. The, the psychical events are facts, are realities. And when you observe the stream of images within, you observe an aspect of the world, of the world within. And so, you see, the man who is going by the external world, by the influences of the external world, say, society or perceptions, sense perceptions, thinks that he, he is more valid. Don't relate yourself to any person, anything, any idea. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode today. If this is your first time listening, thank you so much for being here. And if you're somebody that's listened to my previous episodes, thank you so much for continuing to listen. So let's just jump into today's episode. A lot of the things I've been talking about have been around men's work and men's healing and men's relationship to the feminine and how that shows up and also how that's impacted by their relationship to society and different gender norms and different experiences that they have with the world, like with life, right? And then how that bleeds into their relationship with their partners. And then also in some of the recent episodes, I kind of talked about with their relationship with their mother and how that impacts their relationship with their partners in all how this also impacts women as well. But today I want to kind of bring all of that together and talk about a collective mother wound that we all experience and that we all are suffering from on some level and to just bring light to that and to bring us together as kind of a family to sit and talk about this wound that we have and to recognize it, to acknowledge it, and to, through this episode, unpack, but find ways to reconcile or to heal and amend that wound. Because as I'm speaking on this, I'm also learning about it. So after this episode, if there's anything that you wish to add to this conversation, anything that you feel will be helpful, feel free to share that uh, with me via Instagram, via TikTok. Let's jump into it. So recently, I've been deep diving into the relationship men have with their mothers and how much of that influences how they show up in their relationship with women. And from that, I concluded that a lot of what men learn about femininity are taught to them, not directly from their mothers, but by what they observe and witness in her like how it chooses to show up in her, like what aspect of femininity is their mother embodying? Like what archetypes of the goddess is she embodying? Is she embodying the mother or is she embodying the wounded mother, the wounded healer? Is she in her oracle expression? Is she embodying all of these divine aspects or are they more the disempowered ones? And based on the ones that she embodies really well, those are the ones that he's going to take and form opinions beliefs form ways of relating to that energy and take that into his adult life take that into all of his future relationships 
And so men, when they're looking to find their mother and other women, most of the time they're going to be attracted to the damsel in distress, right? Because in a way, they're still that little boy that's seeing his mother in a woman. And from there, he's forming an attraction. But this attraction on a deeper level, it's a subconscious attempt to heal his mother because his mother deeply wounded him or he just saw that his mother was deeply wounded right so from rescuing from fixing from saving the woman that he's with now that mirrors how she moved how she showed up in uh, his relationship with her on some level he feels like he's redeeming his childhood he's saving her he's rescuing his own mother he's freeing her from the wounds that she couldn't free herself from right so that's happening but this is also mirrored by women so women date men that reflect their father because on some level they saw that their father was deeply wounded as well that didn't know how to connect to his heart has lost his connection to his innocence and so through dating men that mirror their father they are on some level attempting to rescue and save their father fixing these men that are clearly waving huge red flags right but that doesn't matter to the little girl inside because she's on a journey she's on a hero's journey to save her father from the wounds that he couldn't he couldn't acknowledge from the suffering that he was inflicted on by the patriarchy or by life's hardships or the responsibilities that were too much for him right so both of these things are happening in relationships now people are coming into relationship with both of these kind of like hero pursuits like i'm looking for my father and you i'm looking for my mother and you and through that i'm going to rescue them right but nobody's actually the people aren't actually dating each other then like they're dating like there's there's like four people involved then in these relationships there's the real person right there's two real people there but then there's two wounded little children that are looking for their parents in each other. So this is like four, four people in one relationship. And each of these show up in a more shadow aspect, of course, because it's not from their, it's not from their empowered self. It's not from who they really are, right? Because it's more from these wound-based responses. And it's from the inability to sit with that pain. So we have a relationship with four people that are just ignoring the work they need to do on themselves by trying to do it or attend to that wound or tend to that pain through this person. And it's on some level, it's just about trying to paint a different picture on their childhood, saying this isn't what happened because if I rescue my mother from this, if I fix my father from that, or if I fix this person from this behavior, if I help them see this differently, if I change their behavior, if I change their belief, then I somehow miraculously have changed my childhood. But this actually doesn't work out for us because then we also take on the responsibility of the things that happen to us. Because if we feel that this thing that we can't change about this person, it's our responsibility. We, we didn't change that about them. Right? We couldn't change that about them. Our love wasn't strong enough to change that about them. Then what happens is we also take on that responsibility and we believe that there is some level of control we had over those situations, right? That our mother projecting her unprocessed grief and pain onto us was somehow our, within our control. 
that we could have stopped that some way. So this hero's journey actually is a dead end. It, it leaves us only feeling more shame and guilt because it's like, oh shit, like I was responsible, right? I was, quote unquote, I was responsible for the things that she did or how she showed up or how he showed up in the relationship to me. So it actually doesn't work out for us. So the, the it's not sustainable. It's not the best way to heal. It doesn't actually heal you anyway. Um, it just recreates and reinforces our own personal narratives. So the best way to heal is to actually not focus on the other, but to focus on a relationship with ourselves and to ask ourselves, like, you know, what do I need? You know, because that's the difference is that when we're moving from these wounds, we're reacting to those pains what we do is we think about what the other person might have needed what she might need now but you see how we abandon our own needs in that process because what we need is our own compassion what we need is our own patience with ourselves what we need is our own love and acceptance it has nothing to do with the other so that's when the, the, the work really shifts. That's where that transformation really starts to take place is when the narrative starts to shift from how could I be there for this person or how could I have been there for this person or what could I have done differently in relation to this person? Whatever, it stops being about the other and it starts being about ourselves. It's like, what do I need? You know, like what, what did I need, right? That's where the reparenting starts to also take place. It's, because it's now about what did I need in that relationship that I didn't receive? Not what did my mother need that I couldn't give her? Or what did my father need from my mother that he wasn't receiving? You see? So the transformation really is in taking that power back. And it's not even taking that power back because I don't even like using that kind of phrasing because the power is never in their hands. There's nothing to take back. You placed it there because you had the power to place it there. So it's just about seeing that you have given them your power. So it's not about taking it back. There's nothing to take back. It's still was with you when you chose to give it to them. So it's, okay, my power is here with me. And for some reason, I believe I can give it to other people, right? But what am I really giving? What am I really giving when I say I give my power to somebody else? What am I giving? I'm just giving my freedom away. I'm just giving an aspect of my freedom away. I'm giving, in, I'm giving them the part of myself that is free to choose my own experience, to have my own boundaries, to not engage in that way, to enforce boundaries, right? The freedom to do that, the freedom to not be enmeshed with my mother, right? I give up that freedom. So it's about recognizing our freedom, that you can't cage freedom. Like we're always free to be who we want to be. We're always free in that moment to be whoever we want to be. We're always free in a moment to be authentic. But when we're around certain people, what we give them is that freedom, right? We say, now here's an aspect of my freedom. And this freedom includes the freedom to be myself, right? So I'm going to constrict, I'm going to contort, I'm going to shrink my expression for you. But what did you really just give them? You just gave them some of your freedom. And then you deny that freedom in yourself to not do that. So that's where that transformation of these wounds starts to take place. But what I really wanted to dive into on the collective aspect is the wound that we have with 
the earth and what we perceive to be God, the universe, that higher power. Because our relationships with God and our relationships with the earth supersede all relationships. Because we're a child of God before we're a child of our own mothers and fathers. We're a child of the earth before we're a child of our fathers and mothers. So these relationships actually trump all relationships. Because my mother is actually my sister. My father is actually my brother. My mother and father are my brothers and sisters first, actually. Because the relationship with God actually supersedes that relationship. Supersedes all relationships. So they're my mother and father second. And that's where a lot of the healing takes place when we can start to empathize with our brothers and sisters, right? Our mothers and fathers as brothers and sisters and say, damn, you know, I can, I, I, I can feel your pain, bro. I can feel your pain, sis. Like I can see how that cycle or that trauma would have caused you to do these things. Because as a woman that's going through that same experience, as a man that's going through that same experience, right? As a man that's tackling with all those responsibilities i can see that pain but it's from a place of like yo we're brothers or girl i see you as my sister right that's another layer of it there's another layer of understanding and empathizing that happens when you can recognize them as your brothers and sisters because humanity as a unit are all children of a higher parent two higher beings right and that's what I want to talk about because the pain and resentment and anger that we usually feel towards these parents are always trickling down from a greater relationship. And they manifest secondly, like they manifest that that, that anger is a, it's, it trickles in from something higher. And then it manifests as like anger, resentment, betrayal, abandonment, all these kind of feelings. But where did we first feel abandoned? I can't really say that the human's experience supersedes the soul's experience. Because my soul doesn't relate to mother and father. It just sees these as energies. But my soul definitely has a source that it sees as its father and mother. So my pain then begins on that level and then it manifests as a human experience. But that pain, what is that pain about? Where did the abandonment first take place? Where was I first rejected, right? Where did I first feel betrayal? And where did I first connect disempowerment to the feminine? Where did I first connect aggressiveness and dominance with masculinity? So when I have these stories that are told to me about a father God in the sky that dominates, that is envious, that is a jealous God, that has this level of force and judgment and authority over all life, this is the image of masculinity that I'm getting. This is the image of masculinity that I'm being fed. This kind of guy in the sky with a big ass beard that's sitting over everything, that's watching over everything, and in a sense is dominating over the, everything. Because this image of this father God is never told about in a loving way, right? There's never talk about the love of God in a kind way, right? Nobody hears about how gentle God is. 
We hear about how merciful he is, but how gentle God is in terms of like, God accepts us all. God loves us all in that way, because the way it's told from religions is that it's kind of like this very dominating force that if we don't submit to the will, if we don't worship it, if we don't have faith in it or whatever it is, there's all this pain that we'll experience because of that, because our of our own sins or whatever it may be. But what we're getting from this image is like unsafety, really. What image am I getting from that is unsafety. Like there's these little insertions of like, oh, like all are welcome, like, you know, you're always accepted or whatever it is. But the dominating image is that if you don't listen, you go to this place where you'll repent for the things that you did because you forgot who you were, because you didn't listen. So that's like, whoa, dude, like you're telling me like you accept me and you love me unconditionally or whatever. But because I'm learning, because I mess up a couple of times and these couple of times end up being a lot of times and then I, you know, transition on and I die, I will go to a place where I will have to repent for that. Right. That doesn't really feel safe. That's like punishment. And punishment never feels safe in terms of parenthood, right? Because it's like, damn, like I cannot fuck up. Like I cannot make mistakes. Because if I do make a mistake, there's going to be a punishment for it. But if that punishment is removed and it's just placed as like gentle discipline to where it's like, hey, I understand why you did that. Like, you know, like here's advice. Here's ways of how to show up better. That kind of gentle discipline is what a loving parent would do. Right. There's that that level of gentleness around that. And that helps the child feel more safe. But if it's like, yo, you mess up in school, like, yeah, come home. See what happens. See what happens. There's going to be a belt waiting for you. Like that's not doesn't doesn't feel safe for the child. Right. Because it's like, damn, like I can't even I can't even make mistakes here then. Shit. Like my uh, my ass is on the line, literally. (laughs) So it's like you can't really make mistakes. So. But this is this is what I'm saying, that the image of masculinity, right, this masculine father God in the sky that we've been fed is also unsafe masculine father God. He's really unsafe. And then the image we've been fed about the mother God, the mother, like, because there's a verse in the Bible that talks about the queen of heaven. It talks about how Solomon is burning incense for the queen of heaven. So there's some verses that speak of a queen in heaven and then there are other texts that are outside of western culture that talk about a goddess that talk about a counterpart right and because she's very absent from what we perceive right from what we're told she doesn't really exist she doesn't really have a part to play whatever right but we attribute that mothering energy that aspect of the feminine with a nurturing presence so then we're told that we have this father god whatever's in heaven but there's an absence of that mothering nurturing presence in heaven as well so what happens is then we feel abandoned because now there's no mother to hold on to us there's no mother to accept us right because the father is enforcing all of these like rules and stuff on us as children of God, right? And where is that mothering energy? Where's that acceptance? Where's that, where's that it's okay? Where's that, where's that mothering energy that we need to feel safe? We don't have it. So what do we feel? Abandoned. And then we have this view, right, of the earth that we live in, the earth that we exist in, 
she is also our mother. That relationship supersedes the ones that trickle in after that. Because we're first, we come out of her womb before we come out of the womb of our own mothers. So how do we feel about her? How do we feel about that relationship then? And what do we witness? She's in a quote-unquote disempowered state. Everything around her is dying, right? We're told about climate change and all these things that are happening to the earth. How, how many stories do we hear about what's happening with the earth from an empowered position? Like, oh, the earth is healing. Like all these things that are happening inside of the earth right now is for her transformation. She's actually conscious of what she's doing. She's killing things off. She's having these experiences, whatever that's what and whatever we're attributing to that as like shifts in weather or pole shifts or whatever it may be, it's for her transformation. Like we're not told that. We're just told like, oh, all the rainforests are being cut down. All the trees are dying. What we're told is a very chaotic story about the Mother Earth, right? She's just chaotic. She has a storm here and there's a huge, huge flood that killed a bunch of people. And then a bunch of species are dying off and who's there to look for them, right? You would expect that from the mother. How is she tending to all these beings that are dying, all of these animals that are being slaughtered constantly, right? If our mother is here, is governing what happens on this earth, right? From that place of seeing it, how is all this suffering kind of like, even when we look at the earth and God as one being, how is all this suffering kind of like, why is it happening? And on some soul level, we're looking to a higher power for those answers. So what do we then feel? We then feel abandoned. We then feel alone. We then feel, oh my God, nobody is looking out for us. And then all of these things are continuously happening. So now imagine, right? I have a family and I'm in Palestine or Syria. And then there's an event that happens to where there are bombs. There are bricks dropped on my home. And then my child dies. Three of my kids pass away. I lose my husband. I lose my wife. Who am I going to look to for answers? I'm going to look to a higher power. I'm going to say, how can you let this happen? How can you continue to let this happen? So those answers that are deeply in embedded in me that I cannot find on this earth I look to a higher power for and say how can I reckon how can I sit with this pain right I feel abandoned I feel betrayed I feel alone in my relationship with God because nobody is coming to tend to my own pains tend to my own wounds who can tend to the wounds of losing three children and a wife only God. But when I don't feel that nurturing presence, when I don't feel that that mothering energy, that acceptance, that just that holding, right? That pain, I'm going to carry that. Whether you believe in the next life or, the, or not, that pain becomes ingrained into my soul, right? Let's say I die two years later. That pain stays with me. And this keeps happening. I never receive an answer from a divine presence about what happened to me. Right? And we're all having this experience on some level. Like we just had this 
I mean, it's still kind of happening, but we just had this COVID pandemic situation. There are a lot of people that are dying from diseases, diseases that are outside of their control, right? And who do we look to for those answers? You're not going to look to your father or mother. You're not going to look to a government. There are people that literally are dying and have died for centuries from diseases that come from the earth, that are coming from the chemicals in the air. Let's say I'm the one that, that chooses an experience where I lose my, my lover or my close friend or whatever to a disease like that. Who am I going to look to answers for? And then I witness a death, a tragedy of a population of people. A tsunami hits and 500 people are wiped out. What am I, what am I looking, what's going to happen inside of me when I witness that experience? I'm going to be like, damn, like the earth just took out like 500 people. So, like she's chaotic. She's destructive. Right. I'm not going to try to empathize with the earth and be like, oh, she was doing it for her. She was taking care of herself or whatever it is. I'm going to be like, yo, 500 people just died. So all what I'm saying is that all these experiences that we have as humans alone. With our relationship to the earth and what we perceive as happening, that's traumatic for us. Right. You're home like you lived in New Orleans and you left five years before the hurricane happened. And now you're witnessing like all the people collecting and trying to rebuild that wounds you on some deep level. That's a traumatic experience. But that's what I'm saying. We don't talk about the collective trauma that we experience. We watch wars take place all of the time. That is a traumatic experience. And then watching those same images of those people dying, constantly being shoved in our faces and being repeated over and over and over. And then the cycle repeats again because there's no such thing as peace here. There's, there's war and then there's preparation for war. There's no peace. So that is traumatic. Not just on a human level, that's traumatic on a soul level. But just like the human looks for the answers from the parents, the soul looks for answers from the parents and says like, yo, like I'm, I, in my life, I just experienced three fucking wars, a civil war two other wars like and now they're preparing for another one that is traumatic so we look for answers and say like how is this happening where is it like where is that what is the purpose of all of this so what i'm saying is that on a collective level we each then form a wound towards what is seen as a father god and what is seen as a mother god a mother goddess whatever you want to call it and then that relationship also is taking place. That wound is also taking place with the earth. To mend that or to tend to it in any way, for me, is important to have that time to connect to what you perceive as a higher power. Like what you perceive as the earth that shelters you and protects you. Whatever that relationship is, it needs to also be mended. Just as important as these other relationships, this one definitely needs to be mended because all intimacy, all relationships with these higher powers, they govern and they dictate how we experience intimacy within these other relationships. Like union between a man and a woman begins with God, begins with that higher power first before anything else. 
So the most special unions, the most divine and sacred unions are ones that are connected in God, are centered in God. Because they know that relationship is the one that supersedes all relationships. So what I mean is that even the relationships we're looking to have here on this earthly plane, we can tend to that, we can show up for that or whatever it is. But if we don't know how to connect to these greater relation, greater relationships, right? Then all intimacy will be capped, will be limited because we haven't first healed the first wounds. Like these are our first wounds. Like psychology will try to convince you that, you know, it's the mother and father wound that, you know, you experience in childhood that determines and shapes your attachment styles or your anxiety, your stress or the state of your nervous system. Like, no, the experience of your soul in relation to its source, that dictates all of those other things because it manifests from that place. So when you can take the time to observe and resolve whatever relationships and reconcile with whatever pains you are dealing with on this earthly experience, right? You also need to take time to create and form a relationship with what you feel is authentic to you with whatever image feels authentic to you to that higher power and for me that's been through devotion that's been through surrender that's been through having faith like being able to see a purpose within all things being able to recognize a oneness within every experience a oneness between all experiences and the one within that oneness like there is a one within that oneness and connecting to that and discovering like, what is this? What does this mean to me? How can I connect to it? How can I form a deep relationship to this? Because if I perceive a separation between me and God, I look at this, you perceive a separation between you and God. You feel like you have to work towards that relationship. You don't feel worthy of that kind of acceptance and love. You don't feel worthy of God bringing you all of these blessings because that's where the blessings come from it comes from this higher place so you don't feel worthy of those things how much worth are you going to experience in your own intimate relationships as a man or as a woman you can't devote yourself you don't feel devoted to this higher power how much of your devotion is actually going to show up in your relationship if you can't devote to yourself to the power that protects, that created you, that formed you out of its love for you. How much of your devotion, how much of your surrender, how much of your love for your partner is actually going to show up, is actually going to be able to manifest? If you haven't first learned to be with that relationship. So even the things that we feel like we have to work hard for, like we have to work hard for love. We have to work hard to be loved, right? That feeling of like, you know, this person loves me because blank, blank, blank. That inability to just receive a love that is not attached to your accomplishments, that's not attached to what you do, that's not attached to how you meet their needs. That inability to receive that begins with our relationship with God. Because if I can't receive a higher power, a wonderful loving force that loves me just purely as I am, then if I can't receive that, 
if I can accept that, I feel like, no, I have to work towards that. Like get a bunch of accomplished downs. I have to pray 15 times a day. I have to do all these things to receive that kind of love. I'm going to also bring that into my relationship. I'm going to question somebody that loves me for just who I am. Right. I'm going to definitely question that shit. I'm going to like, what do you mean by that? Like, what are you trying to get here? What's your agenda? I'm going to be very skeptical. So what I'm saying is a lot of these wounds can be healed from addressing the first wounds. And it's from that experience of separation that we experience, right? That, oh my God, like God is separate from me. God does not live with me. God is not within my own heart. God is not the impulse within my soul. It's a separate experience and I have to work towards, I have to live a great life to be able to sit and be with that presence, to feel that love again. That's a wound. I'll stop there. There's so much I want to talk about. So the next episode I will put out will kind of illustrate more of these cycles that come out as a result of these wounds. And these cycles, each of us, as a collective, as a generation, as a bloodline, are all trapped in. And a lot of us here today are here to break out of those cycles, to stop repeating those cycles. But we have to first acknowledge that there is a cycle here. And what are those cycles about? And I'm excited to break that down in the next episode. If you have anything you wanted to add to this conversation, something you feel I didn't mention, please feel free to reach out to me via Instagram, via TikTok, uh, via Twitter, all of my accounts are under the name at by Ermias, and that's b-y-e-r-m-e-a-s and it'll also be in the caption um yes so i would love to hear from you and if you and if you received anything from this podcast episode feel free to sh- share with anyone else you feel might might also resonate with this episode so feel free to share that and leave a review if you've been enjoying some of the episodes i've been sharing recently and um, again, thank you so much for taking the time to join me today. And I wish you all a beautiful evening or a beautiful morning or afternoon and peace.